right, welcome back to From Aid Arbitration. Let me thank John Poskins for the episode last week. I know the sound was terrible, and that's on me. Um, <laughs> you would think that I'd have that figured out by now, but I don't. Uh, I will eventually, but uh, John wanted to get on there, so we managed to get him on, and uh, so I appreciate him taking his time to do that episode last week. Today, we're going to get back inside of an arbitration room. Uh, Y'all seemed to like that uh, when I had my closing argument with that removal. Got a little bit different case today. It's a joint statement case, and and it's a cross-examination of a district manager where I cross-examine this district manager. So I'll talk about that a little bit more in a second. But uh, So I got a lot of good response out of that uh, where I did my closing argument. So I'll do more of those. I'll do more of those if that helps you out. So we'll do that today. I'm going to talk about a few things beforehand. The charges have come down. They found a forum to be substantial against our president, Brian Renfro. Uh, and so that process will work its way out. Okay. Um, people want to know my opinion. I don't have an opinion. <laughs> I think that the people in charge will, will do what's right and, uh, now that four of the charges were found to be substantial. And so we'll see. We'll see what happens. But uh, I don't really carry a position on it. Um, you know, if he needs to be removed, he's removed. And if he doesn't, he's not. So uh, I think we have weak leadership. I do think that. I think that we are um, – I think that a lot of our union is weak right now because of our weak leadership. And I know you have those apologists. Anytime you get on – I see social media and somebody says something against our leadership. You'll have those apologists that get on there and they're, well, what are they supposed to do? Well, you know, what's the leader supposed to do? How about this? How about do something? How about do something? Uh, let's start there with doing something. We have very weak leadership right now in our union. Um, I'm not a union apologist. I will not get on here and defend them at every step. I just will not. I'm going to call a spade a spade. And I think that if you're a weak leader, I'm going to call you a weak leader. And we have very weak leadership right now. So, and I think that that's trickling down through our business agents. We have a lot of weak leadership in the business agent's office. And that trickles down to the B teams and the formal A's, the branch presidents. I think they're not held accountable. And we have very weak leadership in a lot of positions in this country. I believe that. And so, you know, elections can't get here fast enough where we can get rid of these weak leaders. Our union needs to be strong, especially now when we're we're getting run over by the Postal Service right now. Some of the craziest shit I've ever seen has come out against city letter carriers. Rural carriers aren't even getting paid. They've gotten screwed over. They're talking about decertifying their union because they're so frustrated with their leadership. I would not call for that. I just say that you vote the sorry motherfuckers out that don't lead. And uh, we have leaders now at the very top that just refuse to lead. And I do not get that. Like I said, I'm not an apologist. I will not get on social media and say, well, they're having fuck that. <laughs> fuck that. If you're a weak leader, you don't need to be in a leadership position. And that's how I feel. A lot of crazy stuff coming out right now that the Postal Service is doing to us. Uh, it's unprecedented, the things that I see. And the things that we're helping them with. Um, I still think that uh, you, you see 
changes in uh, Texas with the legislators getting involved there that made management right policy on how they're going to treat letter carriers in the heat. That happened. Remember when I told you that shit's fixing to hit the fan, that politicians are getting involved, that our leaders need to, to take advantage of that, strike while the iron's hot? Well, they failed to do that. They didn't do that. Now, I've got a leader that's, that's going to other places, talking with other unions, trying to build other unions, and has shit on his. And so I don't get that. Get your ass back in your office and help your letter carriers and be a leader of your union and fuck everybody else until we get our house right. That's how I feel. Uh, you know, but I think that, that we missed a great opportunity for our leadership to lead during this time, during the summer, when we caught management falsifying this hip training. Uh, I've got a leader now that won't even say falsified. Uh, I don't understand that. I mean, I don't know who he's coddling to, who he's catering to, who he's afraid he's going to offend. Fuck everybody else on the outside of this union, uh, okay? Anybody in management, fuck them. If you're worried about hurting somebody's feelings, fuck their feelings. Uh, they're doing things to your members that are unprecedented, putting us in harm's way. And you missed a great opportunity. You missed a great opportunity to get out ahead of it and say, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to hit the streets. We're going to be the example of what happens when you fuck with us. And, uh, and you miss that opportunity. And, and I hate that, truly. I think we could have been out in the streets rallying. Now, there are some areas that have taken upon themselves to do the rally and have rallied for better working conditions for us. Our leadership failed us miserably on that okay uh our leadership failed us miserably on these memos that go all the way back to 1982 83 84 the things that are happening to us still today based off of the failure of those memos um reflects a leader that has not been in a position uh, of city letter carrier very long where he understands the workroom floor where he has the pulse of the city letter carrier where he has the mindset of a city letter carrier he wasn't here long enough and so he wasn't in those battles so it's just been a complete failure so far as far as i'm concerned uh, again i'm about the city letter carrier i'm not about anybody else <laughs> i don't care about anybody else i have friends i have friends but just like on facebook i can unfriend them um, because i'm a city letter carrier first and last I'm nothing else. Uh, if the NLC wants me to help either through arbitration or outside Stewart, I'll do that because I, I love the letter care. But uh, our leadership has failed miserably. It, it really has. So elections can't get here fast enough so we can get these motherfuckers out of there that have failed us. And apologists will come on there and say, what are they supposed to do? I'm so sick of hearing that stupid-ass shit. Uh, you obviously are on the take if that's your position still, if you don't see that we have failed miserably in our leadership, you're obviously taking something from them. <laughs> There's no way objectively you can look at what's going on right now with our union and say, hey, man, we're a success. <laughs> we're not. We're not. And it all starts at the very top with failed, piss-poor leadership. Uh, and uh, one thing about the charges, I'll say this, and I do know this is anytime I talk with a city letter care when we're going into an investigative interview, I'll say, no matter what, be honest. No matter what, tell the truth. 
Always be honest. Always be above reproach. Always tell the truth. Even if you think that it's going to damn you to hell, tell the truth. When I go into arbitration and I have a witness in there, I'm going to tell them, regardless of how you think this is going to come out, tell the truth. If you think that it's going to bury you to tell the truth, tell the truth. I can get you out of most anything if you tell the truth. Uh, I told you about arbitrator Mayer taking me outside in the hallway. We were out there talking. And he told me right there, he said, you know, Corey, if a witness, if the grievant just tells me the truth, I can overlook a lot of stuff. Just tell me the truth. And that's all they're looking for. That's all anybody's looking for. Just tell the truth. I know that you have not been truthful and you got caught uh, as far as these charges are concerned. And you continue to be defiant and untruthful. Letter carriers can overlook a lot of things. They can overlook a lot of shit. And we do. Because, <laughs> hey, we do some dumb shit. Trust me. I have done dumb shit in my lifetime. Uh, truly. And uh, by the grace of God, I'm still here doing what I do. But I have done some crazy shit. I have represented people that have done some crazy shit, man. I mean, some, some crazy shit you've ever heard of, I have represented them, and I've told them to tell the truth. We do crazy stuff, man. We just do. It's in our nature to just do crazy-ass shit. Be truthful and be honest. When you're dishonest, I lose all respect for you. I just do. So I have lost all respect for our leader because you, were, you chose to be dishonest during this process to cover your ass. And I get it, but you're the leader of the greatest union on the planet as far as I'm concerned, and you're dishonest and you're unethical, and so I just, I will not support you at all. And so I'll say that about the charges. Uh, you chose to be dishonest, you got busted, and you're still defiant. So let the chips fall where they may, and they will, um, but uh, we need somebody with integrity, somebody with passion, somebody with fire somebody that knows how to be a leader. Uh, we need that, and we'll get that. We'll get that. We don't have it right now. But, you know, I, I have chose to do, like I said, I have failed miserably in my life at several things. I have failed miserably. My first marriage, I was a failure. I failed miserably in that. Uh, I have done things that would, that would label me a failure at certain things. I just have, and, and I openly acknowledge that. I'm a very religious person. I know it don't sound like that, <laughs> a lot of stuff, but I am a sinner. I am a sinner by nature, man, and I have taken full effect of being a sinner. <laughs> I have taken full advantage of it in my lifetime. Uh, that's not something I'm proud of. That's just who I am. That's just the shit that I've done, and, and I acknowledge that. But I have chosen in my union career to be that person that at the end of the day, at the end of your time, I want to be that person that walks with you through the darkest part of your journey. Uh, you see these advocate classes coming out that have graduated advocate training. Those individuals have chosen to be with you in the darkest of your days. That's what the advocate is. He's the one who, he and she has chosen to be that person that will take you by the hand and walk into that room with you during your darkest time. 
That's what the advocate is. That's what I've chosen to do. I have done crazy things in my life. But I have chosen that the last person you will see in your postal career will be me. And I gladly take your hand and walk you into the darkest time of your life. And we'll go in there together. And that's the arbitration room. Um, And we'll fight like hell. We will fight like hell for you. I will do whatever it takes to make sure that you get your job back, to make sure that the discipline gets rescinded, to make sure that you get what's coming to you. Uh, I will do that for you. And, and I, um, <clears throat> because I have been there, I have been there. And, um, but I just applaud these advocate classes that are coming out. I see it on Facebook, them coming out because they have chosen, they have chosen during the darkest time of your career, to be with you, to be with you in that room. And when all hell's breaking loose, to sit by your side and just take the brunt of it and give it to management like you wouldn't believe. And so, yeah, we've done crazy stuff, man. It's just that we need to be above reproach. Let's be ethical and let's be honest, okay? Um, and, And we will have people that will walk with us through that time but if you're defiant if you're defiant in your untruths and in your lies if you're defiant you kiss my ass okay i'm gonna talk to you a little bit about some things that were sent to me and then i'll get into this arbitration case and this is what i'm talking about poor leadership poor leadership breeds poor leadership and this is what i'm talking about and when i when i say that when i become business agent every carrier will be educated Uh, that's what i mean Uh, i think that if there are stations that things are being pulled over the wool over our eyes i think that's a failure of our business agent from not getting out to those small stations and educating those people i do that i do believe that i tell you when they asked me to do this podcast it was for the small stations who were never never getting educated and i see that a lot through the uh, email messages and the things that are sent to me is that um, they're not being educated. I'm a small station. I've got two carriers. I've got four routes. I've got six routes. We're not getting any education whatsoever. When we contact the business agent's office, they tell us that regional training is coming up. They don't have any, you know, body to come train us. That's completely unacceptable. It's completely unacceptable with the union that we are, who we're supposed to be. And so... If you have small stations that are not educated and getting run over, that is the direct reflection of the poor leadership of your business agent. And if your business agent is poor, a poor leader, I think that's a direct reflection on the president. Uh, a lot of these apologists will say, you know, we'll go to your union. Are you going to your union meeting? Are you going to your union meeting and, and voicing these concerns? No, you know, take part yourself and all that. A lot of people can't do that. You got to understand that a lot of people are not in a position to do that, but they pay dues. So therefore they should be getting represented. If I'm paying dues, I shouldn't have to go to every single thing. If I'm incapable of doing that, if you got these small farm towns where they're going to get off from work and they have to go to the farm immediately and do farm work for the rest of the night and they don't have time, they're going to pay their dues for representation from their agent for their agent to represent them the best of their ability. 
And when you come on to these social media sites and you're just like, are you going here? Are you getting involved? Are you doing this? A lot of people cannot do that, yet they still deserve representation. When they are not being represented, when they make phone calls to be represented, and they are not, we are a failure as the agent. We have failed them as the agent. The response cannot be, go to the union meeting, go to the training, go to this. It cannot be that because I'm making my agent aware that, hey, I'm paying you money to represent me and you are not doing that. So therefore, I should not have to go to anything other than you to represent me. I should not have to go to meetings. I'm telling you to your face, I'm not being represented what can you do for me as my agent? And so you'll see a lot of these apologists will put all that blame on the carrier. They will never put the blame on the union because they are apologists for the union. They will defend the union at all costs. I am not like that. I'm not like, I'm the exact opposite of that. I'm the exact opposite of that. I will defend the letter carrier at all costs. That's what I have chosen to do. I did not choose to protect the union at all costs. I protect the city letter carrier. So these apologists that are continuously get on there and say, well, it's your fault. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. To me, those people are idiotic because the agent is designed to protect me. That's why I pay them good money. Okay. I'll show you some of the things that I'm talking about. This person said, can your new postmaster or new impu create a no-talking policy or a no-talking rule? Of course, we know that that's the golden hour. They cannot do that. Our start times are moved to 6.30 a.m. We're a small office with only eight routes and a dis distribution uptime or DUT is usually 7 a.m. After changing our start time for summer, as we all agreed, we were informed we cannot talk for the first 45 minutes of casing. We are always out of the office by an hour or less. Never had any issues there. They tell us that if we keep talking while casing, then we will change our start time to 7.30. As of this weekend, we have a new impu, and per that new impu, our start time will be 7 a.m., and the no-talking rule still stands. So, Here's a station, a small station, just what I was talking about. They come in and they move their start time to 6.30, and they implement a no-talking policy, no-talking rule. The golden hour rule is what we call. So we're not educated there. We haven't been educated for some reason. And they say, if you, if you continue to talk or if you attempt to talk, we will move your start time an hour up to 7.30. If you try to talk, a new impu comes in. He's like, hey, you still can't talk for first 45 minutes. Now that chaps my fucking ass when I read that. That chaps my fucking ass. What I think about when I read that is how we refuse to say falsified. <laughs> I, I, that's how I tie that in. When our president is so fucking cowardly that he won't even say falsified on a podcast... When we have business agents that refuse to say the word falsified, when we have B teams, branch presidents, 
formal step A's that refuse to say the word falsify because we're so worried about offending somebody. We're so worried about offending the, the postal service. And then I read where this is how they treat my people. They come in there and they say, Hey, no talking for 45 minutes. We're going to move your start time to six 30 during the summer. But if you talk, if you talk to somebody, we're going to move it up to seven 30. Okay. So no talk. That's how they treat us. And we treat them with kids gloves. Why is that? I want to kick these motherfuckers in the ass at all times. And that's why. I want to say you falsified the shit in arbitration. I want to tell them you falsified it. I know what you did. I know why you did it. And I want you to tell the arbitrator why. I want you to tell the arbitrator why you chose to falsify this hip training. You intentionally falsified it. Now tell the arbitrator. We've got those in positions of power who won't even say falsified. And we've got stations like this one here, a small station that knows no better that has no, obviously no contact with the outside world, who's getting no help whatsoever, has to come to Facebook and say, hey, look, they told us no talking for the first 45 minutes. And the new input came up and he said he's going to continue the policy of no talking. That is a failure of our business agent's office because you have to have an avenue. And that's what I was saying a long time ago, that every station can contact the business agent's office. They need to be told personally, hey, I'm your business agent. You've never seen me before. I'm here. Here's my contact information. If anything at all comes up, you let me know. And then when I get that phone call and say, hey, you came out here the other day. It's a small station. I don't know if you remember us. It's eight routes. I remember you. They're telling us no talking. I got somebody coming down there. We're going to grieve that right now, okay? What else is going on? They moved our start time. Are y'all in agreement with the start time? Did it move earlier for the summer? Yeah, we want that, okay? Then we won't address that. But the no talking policy, we're going to grieve that. I'm going to have an outside steward come in there, and they're going to take care of that. Is there any other issues that you got going on right now? Where they're talking to us about this or talking to us that? Okay. Well, that's not a grievance yet, but you keep me posted on it. Let's watch that. Okay, because if they started trying to initiate that, we're going to grieve that as well. Okay, anything else you need? Nope. All right, you keep in touch with me. Okay, that's what we need out of the business agent's office when we don't have it. If we had that, you would not have messages saying that this shit right here with the 45 minutes and no talking. We have failed these stations as business agents. That's what I was telling you. When I become business agent of my region, and I don't know how other regions handle their shit, but every small station will get a visit, and they're going to be told, this is my contact information. If something happens, let me know. And I will have somebody come down there and kick your manager's ass through the grievance procedure. We don't have that in this country. We have piss poor leadership at the top. It trickles down to piss poor leadership at the NBA's office. It trickles down to piss poor leadership with the B team and the branch presidents. I say that all the time, but it starts at the top. When you have cowardly leadership, which is what we've got, you have cowardly union. Okay. Here's another thing that was sent to me. 
says, hey, Corey, my name is so-and-so. Thank you for being a great educator and asset. You have been a tremendous help to me as a first-year steward. I used the information you provided on your podcast to develop a grievance for the falsification for safety training records. I had a great case file with statements from carriers that received training in their hero record on the non-scheduled days. I was a safety captain but resigned when I became steward to dedicate my focus to that, but I still received mandatory safety captain training months after I resigned. In fact, it was about 12 hours worth of training on a Sunday, which was my non-scheduled day. I printed the records from Hero and provided a written statement for the case file. I even had the USPS safety ambassador, a former carrier in our office that became the safety person that does the PET inspections on offices around the district, stating that the training records for the safety team were being falsified. I thought I had a slam dunk, but after meeting at Informal A and being stonewalled and told to send it up, a carrier from another station that's starting to take Formal A cases basically settled for management needs to keep better records. It seems there was a miscommunication between my president, VP, and Formal A, but it was a very disappointing result as one of my first major grievances instead of the usual Article 8s and letter warnings. That's what I'm talking about. We have a new steward that's on fire. And he puts everything in the case file that he's going to need. He even showed that they had him in for doing 12 hours of training on a Sunday. <laughs> it was falsified. He went out and got statements from management personnel doing outside inspections where they saying the records are being falsified. And we send it to a formal A who's not educated on what the remedy is going to be, what the issue is going to be. Now, this was sent to me last week, so this just happened. And the formal A said management needs to keep better records. So the man's telling what's in this case file. These are the things that I included. This is what I said that you falsified. I'm using the term falsified, and the formula says I need to keep better records. That's a failure from the national president. Apologists will say, what does he have to do with it? He has everything to do with it. He has everything to do with that because it's his temperature that we're going to check to see where are you as far as this training. And when you get on a podcast and you refuse to say falsified and you're mealy mouthed, you're milk toast, and you sit there and say, we're doing uh, this here and we're doing that, and we're going to talk to management, we're going to say, hey, we're going to have to scold you on this. Now, it looks like you're going to get a good scolding because you didn't do it. And when you're not a firebrand, when you don't come out with your ass on fire telling your people, your business agents... This is how we're going to address it nationally. This is how we're going to address it regionally. This is how we're going to address it district-wide, station-wide. This is how we're going to address it. You have things like this. You have new stewards that put together a hell of a case file. that do everything that they need to do to make sure that their carriers are protected. And they get this right here. Do y'all see what I'm saying? We have failed leadership which causes this type of thing to happen. Because obviously this Formal A has not been told, educated on how to address certain things. When you have your business agents, like I was talking about now, some of them have started to come around because the, their constituents are, are setting their ass on fire for being cowardly. When you come out and you won't attack these grievances for what they are, for falsification, this is what you have. 
This formula was not educated on how to handle these grievances. And so he shit on this steward and his case file. Um, so that starts at the top. That starts at the top. Here's another thing that somebody sent to me. Management is coming down hard on eight hours only. Had a floor talk saying any employee that can't finish in exactly eight hours will face disciplinary action. What are the best defenses that you guys have against this? We just recently had the office inspected as well. So they keep saying everything should take eight hours and that there is no valid excuse to be late, even on a third bundle day or Monday. We're also mainly walking office as well. Postmaster states street time is street time, no matter the condition or volume, the time never changes. Well, I don't blame these managers for trying to get over. I don't blame these managers for trying to get over. They're lying pieces of shit. I've told y'all that a million times. Management is the lowest life motherfuckers there are. They're the lowest pieces of shit you will deal with in your lifetime. I worked at the jail for six years. Management is lower than the people that I worked with at the, than the inmates at the jail. They just are. And I dealt with the worst of the worst at the jail. The worst the city of Nashville had to offer I dealt with. I'd rather deal with them than management because management is the lionest, low-down, cheatingest pieces of shit that I've ever seen in my life. So this is what they do. This is their norm. This is what I expect from them. They're going to come out and they're going to say, if you can't make eight hours, you're going to be disciplined. That's a grievance. That's a 115.4 of the M39 handbook. That's a grievance because we have reporting requirements. If we're going to need more than eight hours, what we're supposed to do on Article 41 are reporting requirements, right? What we're supposed to do, the 3996. You're bullying carriers. You're bullying carriers because you can't get what you want. You want to make sure the, eight hour, the, the route stay eight hours regardless of volume. Street time is street time, so you're saying this is street standard, which we don't have. And so you're trying to bully the carriers into making your station eight hours. That is a grievance, okay? The fact that somebody had to get on social media and ask that is a failure from the business agent's office. Because that business agent obviously has not gone to these stations and said, any issue that you have, contact this office and let us know. This message should have been sent to the business agent's office so that the business agent can, can ask the branch president, hey, what is going on in this station here? They're stating that management came out and do this. That way, if you have a chicken shit as a branch president, you can go around them. That way, if you have a chicken shit as a shop steward, you can go around them and you can send in outside representation. We are failing our people as business agents because the business agent's office should be in every single station. The very first thing I'm going to do on the very first day that I'm in office is I'm going to say, I want every single station right here in front of me. I want the address of every single station that holds a single city letter care on my desk. And then for the next month, I will be out going to those stations saying, this is who I am, and this is what I expect from you, and this is what you should expect from me. We have to communicate with each other. That way, when management comes out there with this dumb shit, I'm going to send a contract killer in there and file a grievance 
on these sorry, stupid motherfuckers that, that, that choose to do my people like that. Those days are over with, I'm telling you. I'm going to send somebody who will sit there and fuck with management over this shit right here. But our business agents have failed us miserably. Miserably. These things should not be put out there. They should be contacting the business agent because the business agent has gone in there and told them, you contact me. If anything happens out of the ordinary, you contact me. If any statement, if any stand-up is given, contact me. I want to know what it is. That way, I can send an outside help to get you taken care of. Here's another thing. Somebody sent me this, and this is also a failure of our president based off of those memos. And they sent me this, asked me not to say where it was from, so I won't. And this is a, an email that was sent out from this area. Okay, this is not district. This is an area email. It says, attached is the current DSR before and after report for your review through 826.23. For the 126DR 3999s that have been uploaded for August 24th through August 26th, some concerns 71, 50% of the routes are over 22-minute load time. They are still doing that. Listen again. 71, 50% of the route, 56% of the routes are over the 22-minute load time. Now, where did they get 22-minute load time? Off of the dumbass memos because some stupid fuck chose to put times on a memo. And here we are still. Way back when, when I interviewed this person, I said, they're going to bastardize it. Well, we know they're going to bastardize them. Then don't put the shit on a memo. That's rookie-ass mistakes right there. They are still fucking with your people about 22 minutes. Now, I do know that they're going to extend the TRAP process. They're extending that, okay? They're squabbling over these times, though, because now management's got their hooks in us, right, over these of these, uh, not standards, but these, these parameters. They got their hooks in us because of these parameters and they are dogging the shit out of us over it. And we have not heard a peep from anybody, from anybody. But that's what it says. 71, 50% of the routes are over the 22-minute load time. 91, 72% of the routes are over the seven-minute unload time. Where'd that come from? 72% of the routes are over the seven-minute unload time, which we don't have. We don't have a load time. We don't have an unload time. It takes what it takes. But now they're saying a seven-minute unload time. 66, 52% of the routes have no lunch. So we're skipping that now so that we can make sure that we don't uh, get disciplined for being eight hours. So 52% of the stations taking no lunch. Seven, six percent of the routes have over 40 minutes of relay time. 23, 18% of the routes with no street break. 18% of the routes with no street break. This is during the hottest time of the summer. 18% of the routes with no street break. Remember those messages? Keep it moving. Beat the heat. Keep it moving. No stationary events. This is what happens when that when they do that. 
and we don't address it nationally because we got a fucking coward as the president of this union. This is what happens when you don't come out with your fucking ass on fire, yelling to the fucking hills over the over media to the news, having us on the street about our working conditions, and they send these messages out, and you refuse to lead. This is what happens. 18% of the routes with no street breaks. So we have people skipping street breaks. All these messages coming out about beat the heat, no stationary events, keep it moving. Eight percent of the routes with over ten minutes of miscellaneous other time. Fifty-two, forty-one percent of the routes with personal needs times of seven hours, twenty-four minutes, and fifty-six seconds. One equivalent route added. So 52, 41% of the routes with personal needs time of, so they're adding all the personal needs time of all these routes. And they're saying that if you would take away all these personal needs times, we could take out a route. They've added a route. The carriers have basically added a route with personal needs times, seven hours, 24 minutes, 56 seconds. The carriers have basically added a route on y'all because of the personal needs time. So we need to get that personal needs out of there. And I'm going to show you why that's important here in just a second. 40% of the routes with less than five minutes of travel within. And why is that important about the personal needs time? Here's one that was sent to me. Finally have an update. Talking about TRAP. Finally have an update. We had another consultation today. Now this was sent to me last week. This time the union rep did all the talking. He started off saying they came up with an hour evaluated office time. <laughs> We've fallen for it. We filed for it. You remember when I was telling y'all that they're they're conditioning us? They're conditioning us. Remember that talk? They're conditioning us. 22 minutes load time. Our office time. No stationary events. They beat it into us over and over and over again. We get no assistance from our national leadership, you know, because they're down at the local tavern. We're getting no leadership at all during all this. They're conditioning us. Now it's seeped into our T-Rap. And it's like fucking an act of Congress to get those people removed uh, because the business agent's office has removed themselves from it. The person that's leading that from the, the regional area is completely lost touch. Uh, the, the stories I hear from this shit is unbelievable. And, uh, but this is what it says. They came up with an hour evaluated office time. He then said my actual time was an hour and 12 minutes, so I must be a little slow at casing. Now, this is the union guy talking to the union person. He then said my actual time was an hour and 12 minutes, so I must be a little slow at casing. <laughs> Holy shit. Hmm. Wonder where they got an hour office time from. Me too, brother. Me too. This is the union rep speaking. Remember. My street time came out to 7 hours and 14 minutes, even though before they came up with 6 hours and 52 minutes. Unless they are now figuring in load time because they said before they hadn't figured that in, which comes out to 22 minutes. <laughs> so the, the T-Rap has now bought into the hour office time and 22-minute load time. I quite literally came to this realization while typing this out. Keep in mind, I had told them I believe my route to be about nine hours, considering I'm usually 30 minutes to an hour and a half late almost every day. So then he asked if the only thing they do is change the line of travel at the beginning of my route to make sense. 
the one thing we talked about and agreed in the first meeting, how much time do I think that would save? I said maybe 10 minutes. And that's being generous. Looking back, I hope that doesn't come back to bite me and they go with that as a time savings. He then asked if they just make that change, do I think I'd be able to do the route in eight hours? I almost laughed out loud. It was so ridiculous. Here I am working all this overtime in the heat of summer, and they think by moving a couple of streets to the beginning of the route is going to magically make me on time. I told them no, and they both looked disappointed by that response and said they will make their decision in a couple of weeks and will meet again to discuss adjustments for anything that might get moved off my route. I asked if I could make suggestions, and I kid you not, his response implied that carriers usually try to get away with things when making suggestions, but they will consider them, and and if it's not unreasonable, they'll usually implement it. I literally have no words. Texting my steward, and he replied, I'll look at it. Two months they've been working on this, their fancy computer program, and came up with a bunch of BS. So that is a lack of leadership from our union. It just is. When you have our members telling you, hey, they have adjusted my route to an hour office time. I've been showing consistently that my route is nine hours. Uh, I figured this up here. So what must have been done is they had 22 minutes of load time. So they have conditioned us locally and regionally and nationally on the hour office time and the 22-minute load time. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you uh, other than we need new leadership. This should have been squashed a year ago. All of this should have been squashed a year ago. Everybody should have been told how to defeat this a year ago. I told you that before these memos even came out, we should have gotten together and said, what could be the problems with these memos? Well, first off, the times are on there. So whoever put the time on there is a fucking dumbass. But now that the times are on there, What do we see coming up? What do we see happening? What do we see management abusing this? Okay, then let's educate every station on what we're going to do here. How are we going to defeat these things? And the first thing that pops up, make sure that everybody around the country is made aware of that. So what's happening over here? Hey, we just had this hour office time come up. Really? What is that talking about? They're just telling the carriers to be out in an hour. Get your minds together. Let's get our troops ready. Let's get our troops ready. Get the warriors ready so when shit happens, we can grieve it. But we have failed leadership that's so worried about going to other unions and taking pictures, hobnobbing with these other unions, that they have abandoned us and left us here to fight for ourselves. Now we're having to educate people on Facebook and on a podcast because our leadership has failed us as a union. And apologists will say whatever they want to say. I don't give a fuck about that. I'm telling you straight up. Our union leadership has failed us nationally. Business agents have failed us across these regions. Because they've not prepared us and educated us every single station on how to defeat these things. And they are still going on like wildfire across this country. Because our union leadership has failed us. We need new people in positions. That will educate the city letter care. I say it all the time. Educate, educate, educate. You cannot do anything greater for your people than educate them on how to defeat this shit. Everybody 
Everybody should have been made aware of this hour office time, and it shouldn't even be an issue anymore. Everybody should have been made aware of these 22-minute load times, these parameters, how we're going to beat that, and it wouldn't be an issue anymore. We wouldn't keep having these memos coming out about how they're going to implement these things. Now we've got AVPs talking about these metrics, and we got a fucking president who won't even be fucking truthful and honest in an investigation to clear himself so he can go about the business of his job rather being defiant about, hey, I was a piece of shit. Forgive me for what I did. Y'all please forgive me for what I did. No, I'm too fucking narcissistic to tell y'all that I was a fucking failure. I'm ready to do right. And now we're reaping the benefits of that. I told you, man, I'm a city letter carrier in love with city letter carriers. That's all I care about. I don't care about whose feelings I hurt. Fuck your feelings. I don't care. The only thing I care about is the city letter carrier. Everything that I do for my union is for the city letter carrier. It's not to promote anybody up there to any kind of position. You do that yourself through your works, through your actions. And when your works and actions show that you're not able, willing, and fit to do your job, you shouldn't be in that position. Our country is being overrun by, by idiots. The Postal Service right now is being run by idiots. And we haven't even educated our people enough to let them know what's happening. Here's the last thing, and I'm going to get in these decisions, this arbitration. Send out over the scanner. Gas cards are deactivated. If you desperately need gas, and if possible, put a minimum amount of gas using your money or credit or debit card. Keep the receipt and we'll reimburse you. I wouldn't do that. I don't give a fuck if they threaten to fire me. I'm not putting my money in a postal vehicle. They can threaten to fire me, put me on emergency placement. I'm not putting my money in a fucking postal vehicle. Gas cards are deactivated. Then you need to go use your card, supervisor, to get me gas. You need to get your card, postmaster, and go get me gas because that's your vehicle and your mail. It's not my vehicle and my mail. So you're refusing a direct order? You fucking ain't right I'm refusing a direct order because that direct order is dumb as fuck. And I ain't doing it. So you either take the, get the money out of the cash register up front where they're selling stamps and go fill up my vehicle, or that mail's going to be sitting right there. <laughs> you can't even pay the rule carriers. And you're going to tell me to go use my money <laughs> to, to put gas in that vehicle? Fuck you. Fuck you. Hey, shit right now is crazy, man. You can't even get in the light blue. They fucked that up. Glass cards are being uh, deactivated. They fucked that up. Can't even pay the rule carriers. Fucked that up. It's it's a fucking disaster right now, man, nationwide. And our leadership is just as disastrous. Just as disastrous. But that will change. We We do have control of that. We do have control of that. That will change, I promise you. That will change. All right. Anyway, uh, this arbitration, I'm going to take you inside of an arbitration. All right. And I'm going to play a little clip where I'm I'm cross-examining the district manager. Okay. What happened in this case was 
It was in Jackson, Mississippi. And the station manager and a city letter carrier get into it. And the station manager walks inside the case, which you know is a no-no. You don't ever walk in my case because that's my area. That's my personal space. Walks in the case on this carrier. Now, the carrier is built like a football player. Because when I did this hearing, you know, I had to talk to him. And I was like, good God, who in the fuck fucked with you? <laughs> it's a big dude, man. But he walks in the case with the carrier. And they end up bodying each other. Bumping each other. Pointing each other's faces and shit. And so they get in a little altercation. And the station manager ends up following him out. The carrier walks out. All the carriers are out on the back dock. And the station manager starts yelling, he's going to shoot him. I'm going to shoot his ass, or I want to shoot his ass. I want to shoot his ass right now. And so a carrier that's on the dock gets his phone out and records that. That's the only way we were able to prove it. He records it. Well, the carrier that he says he's going to shoot takes off running, runs across the street to a store. And says, hey, can y'all please call the police? This guy's threatening to shoot me over here. So they call the police. Everything gets uh, taken care of. And so they give the carrier a 14-day suspension. It gets thrown out because they realize, hey, you initiated it. You went in his case, right? You went in his case, and then you threatened to shoot him. So he's not liable for anything. So they threw out the 14-day suspension. The carrier ended up with nothing. They issue this station manager a notice of proposed removal. And so they tell the union, we file agreements, obviously, with joint statement. We're asking that he be removed from supervising city letter carriers and all this other stuff. And they say, hey, look, the grievance is a moot point because we issued this notice of proposed removal. Well, we deal with this all the time. This is a guise. It's a ploy. It's a facade. Okay. Because we know what they're going to do. The last time we dealt with this was in Mississippi as well. And they issued this supervisor a notice of proposed removal for assaulting the uh, shop steward. So we file a grievance. It goes to MSPB. And before the MSPB hearing, management brings the supervisor back. So it was just a ploy. It was a guise. It's a facade. They never intended to remove this person. It was basically, hey, we're going to give you this notice of proposed removal. It'll never go through, but it's just so that the union will get off of you. Well, we didn't. We kept the grievance going. And I'll talk about that one as well, because it came up in this case in Jackson. So when they issued this station manager a notice of proposed removal in Jackson for threatening to shoot this guy, about five months later, the district manager brings him back. He reduces, she reduces the removal action. We still have this grievance going, right? So we get this, uh, the reduction, and we use it in this case, okay? So anytime you go after management, they will issue themselves a removal knowing that it will never go forward, knowing that they're not going to remove anybody. But they want to tell the arbitrator, hey, it's double jeopardy because we've already given the union what they wanted. We've already told them, hey, we're removing this person. You know, now they're just trying to be punitive because we've already given them what they wanted. What else do they want? He's removed. No, no, they're not. No, they're not. It's a proposed removal. Uh, you know, you have no intention of removing them. 
And so that's what happened here. They issue a notice of proposed removal. And four or five months later, the district manager brings the manager back. So we could see that coming. We kept the grievance going. And so I, I cross-examined the district manager who brought the manager back. Okay. She was the deciding official. And so when you hear me cross-examine her, you have to be very careful as new advocates. I'll give you this little tip. Uh, supervisors and managers are fair game. Okay. Uh, postal inspectors, OIG, fair game, even though they come in there looking all official, fair game. You have to be careful with district managers, postal, uh, arbitrators, they give them a lot of credence because of that position. So you have to be careful that you're not overbearing. Okay. Plus this is a smaller female. I'm a larger male. So I had to be very careful in how I approach this district manager. And you'll see that in my cross-examination. Uh, I want to get her on the record. The very first question I ask when you hear it. Now, Cole has edited the names out, so it, you'll skip names. When it starts, I say the advocate's name for management. I said, so so-and-so asked you what you looked for or what you looked at. That's where it'll come in, okay? So you'll miss that first part of it. It just jumps right into it. Uh, but I want to get her on the record. What did you look at to determine to bring this individual back? Once I get her on the record, I'm free to ask whatever I want to ask because I know for a fact that she only looked at these two things. The notice of proposed removal and the investigative interview. Okay? I know that for a fact. She told me that. So, she's fair game after that. All right? So, you'll see how I lead her and then I'll tell you afterwards about my closing. How I addressed what she said because you have to be very careful that you don't ask that extra question. As an advocate, you know what I'm talking about. You get your answer. You don't ask that next question that you want to ask, and I'll show you what I'm talking about. You always want to ask another one because you're like, okay, I got them. I want to ask one more question. That extra question will doom you. So I'll show you what I'm talking about at the end of it, okay? So when we get in there, management wants to say that it's not arbitrable because uh, they've removed him. This notice of proposed removal and they have reduced it, but they did what we asked them to do. They removed this manager. And so they said, it's not arbitrable. Well, I saw that coming. So I brought this decision from Wallace, this Cleveland, Mississippi case with me. And so when she's going through this bifurcation saying it's not arbitrable, you know, she's trying to bully the arbitrator. Now this arbitrator was new. He's never done a joint statement case. Never heard of the joint statement. He has no idea what he's, what he's even talking about. So he took great pains in educating him on the joint statement, his authority under the joint statement. And so the very first thing he's hit with is a bifurcation that they have already removed this individual, albeit he got his position back because of the district manager's posi uh, position. So they're saying that it's not arbitrable because they did what we asked them to do. And we say, it's not the case. We filed a grievance. We have a right to have that grievance heard to get a, a remedy on this grievance that we filed. And so I had Wallace's decision. It was funny because when she said all that, he looks at me and I was like, well, call it divine intervention, Arbitrator Alexander, because I have a case here that's very similar. I said, and I brought it with us today. I said, that's good fortune. 
And so he's laughing at me. And I handed it out and I said, Arbitrator Wolitz has already ruled on this. And he'll go through that, okay? I'm going to read the decision. I'm going to play the me cross-examining the district manager, and then I'll read the discussion again. Now, he's a, his writing is very different. Like I said, he's a new arbitrator. His writing is very different, very odd, very unique writing. It's not like other cases. Uh, it's very difficult almost to, to follow, but uh, I'm going to read it. And then I'll play that, and I'll read it again and let you know what they hung on to. And then I'll tell you about my closing, which is kind of fun as a comical closing, but and how I address the district manager's position, okay? So here's the decision. It's C35809, 35809, and it's in front of David Alexander. And he issued an award, and then he had to talk to the national parties about it, and then he issued another award. Because the award he gave initially, the parties had issue with it. And so he issued a second award. This is the second award. So this arbitrator previously issued an award in this matter dated July 27, 2022. Upon consideration and consultation with the parties at the national level, the arbitrator hereby rescinds that award in its entirety and issues this amended award, which supersedes and replaces the award of July 27, 2022. The arbitrator retains jurisdiction over implementation of this award for a period of 90 days. This arbitration arose when management and the union, in the process of dealing with a grievance where violence occurred at work and a joint statement on violence behavior in the workplace came into play. Having reached resolution on almost all the issues, the parties were at an impasse on arriving at a remedy for punishing the management wrongdoer. The purpose of this arbitration was to provide a remedy for the parties a remedy is provided. Background. This is a class action grievance focusing on the remedy of an issue that was partially resolved at step B and subsequently in pre-arbitration discussions where an agreed-upon impasse was reached to hold in abeyance issue two of the grievance to allow the full adjudication of the case at hand. The grievance there. This arbitration will assist the signatories to determine the proper remedy for that grievance. The incident that led to this grievance happened on June 25th of 2021 when manager Robert Felton and letter carrier Trayvon Jones had a physical altercation that led to Felton having a verbal outburst, including stating, I want to shoot your ass right now. This case grievance and informal step A was initiated on July 9th of 2021. Felton was issued a notice of proposed removal on August 27th of 2021. That notice was reduced on January 12th of 2021 by Alabama Mississippi District Manager June Martindale to a letter of warning in lieu of a 14-day suspension. Also included was that a review of this action will be conducted on 8-27th of 2022. If no further corrective action of this nature is taken during this time, the letter of warning in lieu of a 14-day suspension will be removed from all records and files. Due to the nature of a violation, I cannot agree to turn you to your, return you to your office of record, which is Lafleur Station at this time. An incident date of August 26, 2021, led to informal step A initiated on September 9th of 2021, along with related grievance there. Both of these grievances had formal step A meetings on November 2nd, 2021, and both arrived at step B on December 3rd of 2021, 
with decision dates of January 25th, 2022 and January 28th of 2022, respectively. There are four issues that came out in the Step B decision. I'm not going to read those. The Step B dispute resolution team reviewed all the information in the case file and agreed to resolve in part the grievances. The DRT agreed management failed to carry out the burden of proof in issuing the discipline, that was to the carrier. The 14-day suspension on 8-26-2021 to carry Jones shall be rescinded and expunged from all files and records from the date of issuance. The DRT agreed management, specifically Robert Felton, violated the joint statement, ELM-66524, ELM-66516, and M39-6115, Article 14 of the National Agreement, by his actions on June 25th of 2021. Management shall cease and desist violating Articles 14, the JSOV, ELM-665, and M39, Section 115, per Article 19 of the National Agreement. Uh, and he goes on to talk about the B-team decision. He says this, Arbitrator Hing held on June 8th of 2022 in person Jackson, Mississippi, was intended to be the fulfillment of the pre-arbitration settlement team as the next step of full adjudication. At the June 8, 2022 hearing, the service advocate opened the hearing suggesting the grievance is not procedurally arbitrable because the remedy has already been decided via the notice of proposed removal that was reduced to a letter of warning on, July, on January 12th. Management contended this one incident did not indicate a pattern of behavior. The service advocate asked that only the arbitrability issue be heard at the hearing and the process be bifurcated to hear the merits. Arbitrator heard the union protest of the arbitrability issue and directed that the merits be heard today, especially since witnesses are available and on standby. No decision was made at the hearing on arbitrability and the merits were fully heard. So when they asked to bifurcate it, they said, hey, we want a separate decision. We want a decision on the arbitrability. If you say that it's arbitrable, then we'll come back at a later time to hear the merits. Well, the union never wants that. <laughs> We've got everybody there. We've already prepped everybody. And that's what I said. I said, I've got witnesses here that are available. One's a clerk. I said, we need to be heard today. Now, you can give both decisions. You can say whether it's arbitrable, and you can hear the merits all today. We're all here, ready to go. And he agreed with us. Arbitrator has studied the arbitrability issue including the cases on arbitrability provided by the parties, including Arbitrator Snow's views. In this case, where the parties, in a joint pre-arbitration settlement meeting, agreed to use an arbitration decision to assist them to determine the proper remedy for a related grievance, this arbitrator feels that mandate, that mandate alone requires this arbitration to proceed in order to provide the remedy requested. So he shot management's position down. You're not going to, we're not going to, um, we are going to hear the merits. Okay, it is arbitrable. Then he's got the uh, documents. He's got the JSOV, Article 3. He's got the Notice of Proposed Removal. And I'm going to read this because, remember, I used this in my closing. The district manager states that the only two things she looked at was the Notice of Proposed Removal and the Investigative Interview. That's all she looked at, the Notice of Proposed Removal and the Investigative Interview. Now, here's the Notice of Proposed Removal. This advance written notice that is proposed to remove you from the Postal Service. Charge improper conduct. Specification 1. On June 25th of 2021, you raised your middle finger at employee Trayvon Jones. Specification 2. On June 25th of 2021, you had a verbal outburst on the workroom floor during which you shouted and yelled on the workroom floor. 
Specification 3. On June 25th, 2021, you stated, I want to shoot his ass right now in reference to employee Trayvon Jones. Background and facts. On June 25th, 2021, while in the performance of your duties as manager of the Lafleur Station in Jackson, Mississippi, you were involved in a physical altercation with one of your employees, Trayvon Jones, which subsequently led to you stating that you wanted to shoot him. Prior to that incident occurring, you admitted to placing two parcels into the employee's workspace. And when questioned by Jones why he did not place him in the hamper instead, you responded by flipping Jones off and smiling. After this occurred, you went to the office window and returned to the supervisor's desk after a short time. When you returned, you noticed Jones still in his workspace, asked him why he had not pulled his mail down yet, and if he had clocked to the street, to which Jones told you, look into your system. In your recollection of the incident, Jones then grabbed you and pushed you against the shelving of his workspace. When Jones let you go, you yelled at him, you are done. You repeated this phrase to another one of your employees and repeated it once more when NALC Union President Moses Bolar walked into the building from the parking lot. Mr. Bolar then prompted both of you and Jones to go into the private office with him so the issue could be discussed. While in the privacy of the office, you admitted to demonstrating on Mr. Bolar what Jones did to you in his workspace. Jones continued to deny the allegations that he physically touched you, and you allowed him to find witnesses to corroborate his side of the incident. After an estimated five minutes, you left the office to look for Mr. Bolar and Jones, and were approached by another employee who asked you to allow Jones to return to work. You responded to Lancaster by saying, no, you don't put your hands on me. In your initial statement of what happened, written on June 25, 2021, you did not mention saying, I want to shoot his ass right now. During the incident, initially when questioning during an investigative interview held on August 2nd, 2021, you denied saying the phrase, but admitting that you may have said, I want to do something to you. When questioned further about the statement, you claimed that whoever was saying you said, I want to shoot his ass right now, was lying and trying to save Jones' job. You are then given an opportunity to listen to a recording taken of the incident. On this recording, you can be heard saying, I want to shoot his ass right now, and admitting that it was, in fact, your voice. Your actions are in violation of the following postal rules and regulations, but not limited to ELM 66611, 66616, uh, 66524, which states in relevant part, the Postal Service is committed to the principle that all employees have a basic right to a safe and humane working environment. In order to ensure this right, it is the unequivocal policy of the Postal Service that there must be no tolerance of violence or threats of violence by anyone at any level of the Postal Service. Similarly, there must be no tolerance of harassment, intimidation, threats, or bullying by anyone at any level. Violation of this policy may result in disciplinary action, including removal of the Postal Service and the Joint Statement on Violence Behavior in the Workplace. Then there's the letter of decision from the district manager. Uh, this is dated January 12th. So August 27th of 2021 was the proposed removal. Remember those because I asked the manager about the, the district manager about this. August 27th of 2021 was the proposed removal. January 12th is the decision letter. Okay, so they're trying to beat out this grievance, right? They're trying to beat out this grievance. So she waits from August 27th to January 12th to issue the decision, right? But they couldn't beat us out. They couldn't wait us out. 
She states, I'm issuing this letter to inform you that I have decided to mitigate the charge of improper conduct in the notice of proposed removal issued to you on August 27th. After consideration, the criteria for establishing a penalty for the charge, I have decided to mitigate. I have decided to reduce the penalty proposed. This action will be effective immediately. The reasons for my decision are outlined below. Charge and proper conduct. After carefully examining the record, I find that the proposed charge of improper conduct stated in the proposed removal should be sustained. Specification 1. On June 25, 2021, you raised your middle finger directed towards employee Trayvon Jones. I find that the record supports this specification. On June 25, 2021, Jones reported that you raised your middle finger to him in your investigative interview with Bill Ferrier on August 2, 2021. You admitted to having done this. When asked if you thought that this was appropriate, you answered no. Specification 2. On June 25, 2021, you had a verbal outburst on the workroom floor during which you shouted and yelled on the workroom floor. I find that the record supports this specification. On June 25, 2021, you participated in loud verbal altercation on the workroom floor with employee Trayvon Jones that was witnessed by other employees. Specification 3. On June, 2021, on June 25, 2021, you stated, I want to shoot his ass right now in reference to employee Trayvon Jones. I find that the record supports this specification. Initially, you denied having made the statement, but in the investigative interview when a recording of the incident was played for you, you were heard saying, I want to shoot his ass right now, and you acknowledged that that was your voice and the re- on the recording. Written appeal. On November 29, 2021, I received a settlement offer from your NAPS representative, Tim Ford. The offer contained three tentative stipulations listed below as written in the offer. One, the notice of proposed removal issued to Robert Felton dated 8-27-2021 will be reduced to a letter of warning in lieu of a 14-day suspension. The effective date to be 8-27-21, the same date as the proposed action. MCS Felton be returned to the office. Two, MCS Felton be re- MCS Felton be returned to his office of record, Lafleur Station, Jackson, Mississippi, as soon as practical. Three, a review of this action will be conducted on 8-27-2022. If no further corrective action of this nature is taken during this time, the letter of warning in lieu of a 14-day suspension will be removed from all the records and files. After carefully examining the record including your representative's proposed settlement dated November 29, 2021. I find that the proposed charge of improper conduct stated in the notice is supported by the record. However, I will mitigate the proposed removal to be reduced to a letter of warning in lieu of a 14-day suspension to remain in your file for a period of one year from date of issued to be removed on 8-27-2022 under the condition that no further corrective action is issued to you during that time. Due to the nature of a violation, I cannot agree to return you to your office of record, which is Lafleur Station, at this time. And then it goes over the Douglas factors, where basically she says everything. Uh, you did everything they said you did. Then he's got the statements in there about what happened. Uh, then it's management's contentions. Management contends the grievance is not properly before the arbitrator. The grievance should be barred from arbitration because the remedy has already been addressed by management. You see what I'm talking about? It is management's position the union wants another bite at the apple when they are insistent 
on advancing this grievance to arbitration, although the remedy has already been resolved. They want to punish the man all over again. The issue is now moot. This is a matter of res judicata in which the union is seeking a do-over for an action that management has already addressed. Manager Felton has issued a notice of proposed removal as his conduct on June 25, 2021 was inconsistent with postal rules and regulations. The union is aware of this and addresses it in their contentions of the Step B decision. The Postal Service investigated and found Manager Felton violated the joint statement on violence by his actions on 6-25-21 and cited another proposed removal date, 8-27-21. Subsequently, the deciding official reduced the notice of proposed removal to a letter warning in lieu of a 14-day suspension. Deciding official has also imposed Mr. Felton not to be returned to his office of record. He is also not supervising directly or indirectly city letter carriers. The union is well aware of this. In a regional arbitration award, National Arbitrator Zuma denied a grievance after the service issued a second notice of removal to a grievance. The union contended that the service may not issue a second notice of removal, asserting that the arbitrator's decision was dispositive of grievance under the doctrine of res judicata and otherwise constitutes double jeopardy. Management contends the Zuma arbitration is similar to the case at hand. The union is fully aware of the actions taken against Manager Felton, and the union has refused to withdraw this grievance. The authority to appeal or withdraw grievances on behalf of the union members is given to the union per Article 15 of the National Agreement. Under Article 15 of the National Agreement, only the union can withdraw grievance once it has gone beyond Step 1 of the grievance procedure. Arbitrator Snow stated in the National Arbitration Award, rules of claim preclusion prevent a party from pursuing a later action on the original claim and a final decision in favor of the party bars the other party from obtaining a second decision on the same claim. Based on this, the common law doctrines prevent an arbitrator from reaching the merits of the case. There is no remedy for you to decide since management has already addressed Manager Felton since the onset of this grievance being initiated. Management respectfully requests you find the grievance not arbitral and dismiss it in its entirety. The union's contentions. We cite Arbitrator Snow. Management contends these Arbitrator Snow excerpts address the union's objections to the employer's claim that the joint statement is not enforceable through the collective bargaining agreement. These excerpts clarify that the national agreement agreement procedure may be used to enforce the bargain joint statement on violence and behavior, and that arbitrators may formulate remedies, including removing a supervisor from him or her duties. The union contends that in the Step B process and the pre-arbitration settlement process of April 19, 2022, the issues and remedies were agreed upon, and for issue two, the violation that Robert Felton committed were agreed upon, but the remedy for issue two, subject grievance, was, was probably left for arbitral adjudication to allow the signatories to determine the proper remedy for a grievance. And here's this discussion and opinion. The one task of this arbitrator is to provide a remedy to the violations manager Robert Felton incurred when he had an altercation with a letter carrier under his supervision on June 25th of 2021 at the Little Flores Station in Jackson, Mississippi. The parties have agreed that he violated a number of policies and regulations, the most important of those being the violation of the Joint Statement on Violence Behavior in the Workplace. 
He was issued a notice of proposed removal on August 27, 2021, which was reduced on January 12, 2022, by the Alabama-Mississippi District Manager to a letter of warning in lieu of a 14-day suspension. At the same time, the union and employer had two grievances in process relating to this one incident. The first one initiated with informal step A, July 9, 2021. The second with an incident date of August 26, 2021 was initiated with informal Step A on September 9th of 2021. Both grievances had formal A on November 2nd, 2021, and were received at Step B on, on December 3rd of 2021, with a decision date of January 28th of 2022. Subsequently, there was a pre-arbitration settlement process that was completed on April 19th, 2022. The arbitration hearing was held on June 8th of 2022. Each grievance had four similar issues, issues one, three, and four resolved and their remedies established in step B and the pre-arbitration process. For issue two, the violations that Robert Felton committed were agreed upon, but the remedy for subject grievance was left for arbitral adjudication to allow the signatories to determine the proper remedy for the grievance. There are two current possible remedies. One is the remedy the service determined when Robert Felton was issued a notice of proposed removal that was reduced to a letter of warning in lieu of a 14-day suspension. Along with, a review of this action will be conducted on 8-27-2022 if no further corrective action of this nature is taken during this time. The letter of warning in lieu of a 14-day suspension will be removed from all records and files. Due to the nature of your violation, I cannot agree to return you to your office of record, which is Lafleur Station, at this time. Management contends that this is the remedy that has already been implemented, making another remedy unnecessary. The other possible remedy is that suggested by the union, stated as follows. That Robert Felton be immediately removed from his managerial position at the Jackson, Mississippi Post Office and not be allowed to supervise managed letter carriers directly or indirectly for the rest of his USPS career due to his habitual violation of the joint statement on violence and behavior in the workplace, the Postal Service's policy on workplace harassment, the Mississippi Performance Cluster Workplace Zero Tolerance Policy, Section 115.4 of the M39 Handbook, and Section 66524 of the LM via Articles 14, 15, and 19 of the National Agreement. Prior to analyzing the two possibilities and considering the possibilities of formulating a third remedy, arbitrator reviewed some of the recommended precedent cases provided by the advocates. Here are some findings with names disguised in some cases. He cites uh, Arbitrator August, which he turned in for Hattiesburg. Arbitrator August that we turned in for Jackson. Arbitrator Wolitz, which I talked about from Cleveland. Uh, and he cites those that we put in. Arbitrator findings. Arbitrator notes that the parties agree that manager Robert Felton violated the joint statement on violence behavior in the workplace and several other specified policies and regulations. Arbitrator notes. I'll tell you, he's, this is a little different. He has arbitrator notes that he talks about. The service identified in its January 12, 2022 letter of decision, the improper conduct as follows, and I talked about those three. Arbitrator notes, the dispute resolution team that includes both management and union agreed at step B of the grievance process also found that manager Robert Felton's actions on June 25, 2021 
violated the Joint Statement on Violence and Behavior in the Workplace and several other specified policies and regulations. Arbitrator notes that Alabama Mississippi District Manager acting as deciding official on the reduction of the notice of proposed removal to a letter of warning in lieu of a 14-day suspension acted on a settlement offer from Felton's NAPS representatives to arrive at the January 12, 2022 remedy. At the hearing on cross-examination, her testimony was that before deciding the remedy, she had not personally spoken to Felton, to Jones, or anyone and not had been given the case file. Arbitrator notes, the two separate processes applied in this case to reach resolution. Arbitrator finds the process used by management and the union within Formal A to Formal A, Step B, to pre-arbitration settlement, each involving both parties, is more in line with what this arbitrator and arbitrator Snow, and hopefully the statement creators, jointly envisioned for implementation of the Joint Statement on Violence Behavior in the Workplace. Arbitrator notes, the factors used by the deciding official on January 12th of 2022 letter of decision to determine the penalty and the several stern comments warnings to Mr. Felton. So he took into consideration the stern comments. It says, it is your duty to set an example for the employees in your duty station to hold all postal policies and regulations. I conclude your actions were intentional and that your violations were malicious in nature. After reviewing your actions on June 25th, 2021, I lack confidence in your ability to get along with fellow workers and in your dependability. Your actions have caused me to lack confidence in your ability to perform your job duties and to uphold the organizational mission. You have demonstrated that you are not dedicated to upholding the Postal Service policies and regulations, that you are untrustworthy, and that you lack the self-control that is required of a USPS manager. You were seen and heard yelling outside the post office where your actions were possibly visible to the general public. Then, because you said that you felt like shooting Jones and rushed to get into your own vehicle, Jones felt threatened and not know what you were going to do and ran to a business across the street from the post office to ask a member of the public to call 911. The public was able to see the arrival of the police at the post office, which could have been perceived by anyone in the vicinity as a violent and threatening incident happening at the USPS. You exhibited inappropriate, aggressive behavior and a lack of candor when you were being questioned about the incident and a complete disregard for USPS conduct regulations. I am unsure at this time about your potential for rehabilitation, but in reducing the proposed removal to a letter of warning in lieu of suspension, I am providing you with an opportunity to prove that you have learned from this experience and to regain my trust and the trust of employees under your management. Arbitrator notes, the statements provided in this document from letter carrier Trayvon Jones, Mel Clerk, Lily Michelle Dixon, and Ewan Stewart Moses Bolar Jr., along with a supporting testimony from Jones and Miss Dixon, arbitrator especially notes from the testimony that when Manager Felton entered Carrie Jones' space, he was angry and got into my space nose-to-nose, leading to the pushback by Mr. Jones. Arbitrator also notes the allegation in her statement and testimony of receiving on June 29, 2021, two unanswered phone calls at 4.06 a.m., followed by a third at 9.31 with a voicemail she was certain was Robert Felting, warning her to keep nosing around and you're going to get what you want. Keep poking around other people's business. You're going to get exactly what you want. 
Keep doing that, you're going to get exactly what you're looking for. Arbitrator also notes the 12 plus written statements in the case file from the witnesses of June 25th, 20, June 25th incident. Arbitrator notes that the deciding official made this statement regarding Manager Felton's discipline record. You have no other current live disciplinary action about which I am aware. This is the main reason I'm willing to mitigate the proposed removal. The union did not dispute the statement on discipline. Arbitrator notes this remedy comment by arbitrator David Stanton and remembers experiences with cases from the Merit System Protection Board where it was found very unusual that MSPB would accept a first offense removal unless it was very egregious as in violence inflicted. And here's his remedy. Now remember this remedy. It's kind of a bullshit remedy. Just remember this compared to what they were wanting. Arbitrator, after due consideration of the evidence and findings in consultation with the parties at the national level, provides the following amended remedy for issue two. Robert Felton will not supervise at Lafleur Station for a period of two years from the date of this amended award unless otherwise agreed to by the parties. Management will provide the Region 8 MBA with a copy of the PS Form 1723 for the supervisor Felton's assignment once moved from Lafleur Station and whenever his official assignment changes for two years from the date of this amended award. Robert Felton will not supervise directly or indirectly in the city letter care craft for 18 months from the date of this amended award unless otherwise agreed to by the parties. Robert Felton will receive training on workplace conflict and communication no later than February 24, 2023 with documentation the same provided to the Region 8 MBA. So that was the remedy. That's what he gave us for somebody threatening to shoot us. Uh, you heard the notice of proposed removal. You heard the decision letter. Uh, when, I, when I play this for you, the cross-examination, I want you to hear her disdain for the city letter care craft. Okay? It didn't matter about Felton. She hates us, and it shows when, I hear, when you hear her answer me. Okay? Now, remember, I have to be very careful with her. Okay? Um, I'm very deliberate with her. Some of it's kind of funny, but, um, and then I'll address it uh, after this. I'll address, I'll read the remedy again and then I'll address my closing. Okay. But, uh, this is a perfect example of how you cross and not ask that extra question that you want to answer, um, that you want to ask. Okay. It's very dangerous when you do that. I wanted to so bad on certain these, <laughs> you'll hear me on some of these questions, and when she answers, you always want to answer that, you know, it's human nature to want to ask that next question, which I, I refrained from doing, and I just addressed it in my closing. And I'll tell you how I did that later. But So here it is. I'm questioning, um, cross-examining the district manager, okay? And I'll come back on the other side. I'll read the remedy again, and then I'll talk about my closing, how I tied it in with my closing, all right? So here it is, me cross-examining the district manager. <clears throat> I asked you what you looked at. You said an action proposal mm -hmm. and a packet. What would be? What would a packet consist of? The interview questions. So it would it would be the, um, you know, they write up, they do the interview questions, and then they send the uh, proposal to the labor department. So you based your decision off of proposed removal and the investigative interview. 
Correct. From August 27th of 2021 to January 12th of 2022, did you personally speak to Mr. about this incident? I did not speak to him about this incident, no. Not that I remember. Did you personally speak with Mr. Trump the man that Mr. threatened to shoot? I did not. Did you speak with any carrier or anyone at LaFleur Station when you made your decision to bring Mr. back? I did not. Did you look at this case file before you decided to bring Mr. Fulton back? What do you mean by case file? The, the statements by the, all the carriers about what happened that day. I was not given that information. Okay. I don't, nobody provided me with that. Okay. So no? No. Okay. I would like to, may I say one thing? Absolutely. So dur during, during all of this, and I'm assuming you're aware that we went through a major reorganization during this time period. So we had different people that were in and out um, for several several things, for, especially my labor department. So, right. and so you stated that the reason, part of the reason, you brought him back is because he's had no other incidents of threatening to shoot somebody. Is that correct? He's had no incidents of violence that I have been made aware of. Okay, and so you would put that same standard on anyone that threatened to shoot somebody that they should be given a second chance? I think there's more to the story than what you're stating right Please now. Please tell me. Because I believe it was an altercation between two gentlemen. So that the, justified it? No, it did not justify it. Because you didn't state earlier that there was something going on with anybody else. You just stated that he had no other incidents before this one, correct? Correct. Okay. Did you listen to the audio of Mr. threatening to shoot? A letter carrier? Did you listen to that? I believe, I can't remember to be honest with you. I don't remember. Okay. So basically, you agreed with everything that everybody said that this was terrible, absolutely horrible. Uh, some stuff you stated in here is uh, uh, done with malice. You agree with all that? I do. Okay. And you say that he violated ELM provision 66524. You agree with that? I do. You ever read 66524? I have. Okay. Joint statement on violence in the workplace. You agree that he violated that? I do. You ever read that? Yes, sir. Okay. I believe the carrier did as well. The carrier did what? Violated those as well. Well, he's not, he's not on trial here. Okay. All right. That's fine. Okay. Okay. Mr. Okay. is All threatening right. to shoot him. Okay. Okay. Let's go to your, to J3, the proposed removal. With the decision, I'm yeah, sorry. J3. Yeah, this decision. The decision letter. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm, yeah. I'm On here, you see the charge, improper conduct. Yes. You say after carefully examining the record, and so your testimony here today is the record is the the proposed removal and an investigative interview. That's the record that you're talking about. Correct. Okay. At the bottom. Specification three, do you see that? Yes. On June 25th, 2021, you stated, I want to shoot his ass right now. In reference to employees, I find that the record supports this specification. Initially, you denied having made the statement, but in the investigative interview, when a recording of the incident was played for you, you were heard saying, I want to shoot his ass right now. 
and you acknowledge that was your voice on the record. So on the record today, you feel that that warrants a letter of warning. It's not a letter of warning. It's a 14-day uh, suspension. I'm sorry. I thought it said it was a letter of warning no, in lieu of. No, it's a 14-day suspension. There's not a letter of warning in lieu of a 14-day? No, it's it's a 14-day suspension. So any other infractions whatsoever this man has, he is removed from the Postal Service. I'm sorry. I've completely misread this thing now. Let's go to, let's go to the last page. I've considered alternate, alternate sanctions. Do you see that? Yes. In this letter of decision, and am imposing an alternate penalty to the removal that was proposed to you on August 27th. The proposed removal is mitigated to a letter of warning in lieu of a 14-day suspension. Do you know what the, the term in lieu of means? It means that he was not getting a paid suspension is what it means. Do you know what the term in lieu of means? Yes, I do. What does that mean? Instead of a removal okay. is how I read this. No, it's instead of a 14-day, right? It says letter yeah. warning in lieu of a 14-day. No, it's a 14-day suspension. That's how it's written. It's a 14-day suspension. Okay. But I'm reading that right there. It says letter warning in lieu of a 14-day. Am I reading that right? That's what it says. Okay. Thank you. So... Go back to the first page of J3. At the bottom, written appeal. Mm -hmm. It says, on November 29th, 2021, I received a settlement offer from your NAPS representative. The offer contained three tentative stipulations. All right? And then the first one is the notice of proposed removal issued to and dated 8-27 or produced to a letter of warning in place of or in lieu of a 14-day suspension, the effective date to be 827, the same date as the proposed action. So you granted that, correct? Correct. Okay. MCS will be returned to his office of record with Fleur Station as soon as practical. Correct. And you granted that, right? I, I granted it from the thing, but he has not been returned, correct? Okay. It's but, not been practical. Okay. But you left it open that he could be returned to the Fleur Station. Correct. Okay. So. It is possible that in the future, Mr. F*** could be returned to the very station which he threatened in a shoot, a letter carrier. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. Let's go to the next page. A review of this action will be conducted. This is at the top. I'm sorry. A review of this action will be conducted on 8-27-22. If no further corrective action of this nature is taken during this time, the letter of warning in lieu of a 14-day suspension will be removed from all of his records. So... With everything that went on that you talked about, how heinous all of this is in this decision letter, you determined that the best course of action was to give Mr. F a letter of warning in lieu of a 14-day suspension for one year. Correct. And you still stand by that? I do. The decision letter, I mean the proposed removal on page 363 of the case file, I'm sorry, page 363. Take your time. And you looked at this when you were deciding on your decision? Yes, sir. Okay. And then NAPS. Okay. When did you get this then? Well, it was issued on 827. I believe it was the first week of September when I... When I... Okay. So you read this, and then you met with NAPS, and you said, I'm going to reduce the order. Correct. But... This gentleman, who was, uh, 
He's the who the person over the Jackson Post Office. So it would be Jackson Postmaster than him. Okay. So would he have a a better knowledge of Mr. than you would? He would. Okay. And you said you just got here in July. Correct. Correct. So you have no idea who Mr. Fenton is. I have not personally met him. Okay. No, I have not. And so the gentleman who best knows of his work performance requested that due to this heinous act, he should be removed. Okay. And you, not knowing Mr. Fenton at all, decided I'm going to give him another chance. Correct. Okay. Let's go to page 328. On page 328, this is management's formal step A decision. And it's the third paragraph that starts in concluding this investigation. Do you see that? Yes. It says, in concluding this investigation, both Jones received a 14-day notice of suspension and and received notice of proposed removal for their conduct and behavior that day because such actions will not be tolerated from management or craft employees was stated within the policy. Management feels this was the appropriate level of discipline for both employees. So you disagree with that? Yes, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't understand what you're asking me. Well, they're saying that the removal was the appropriate level of discipline. That's your person. That's management's formal step A. So you're saying that they're wrong, that you disagree with that. No, I'm saying after looking at the, the facts of the case that I thought a 14-day suspension was justified. Where did you see the facts of the case at? In the, in the packet they gave me. In the the investigative interview? Correct. And who was the investigative interview on? Yes. That's all I have, Mr. Walker. All right, so that was me cross-examining the district manager. Uh, you heard her disdain for us, right? Uh, and she was the ultimate as an advocate. Uh, makes you pull your hair out if you're management's advocate. Because as a witness, you don't ever want to expound on a question unless your advocate asks you to. She wanted to be heard, which was great for us. She wanted to be heard. Uh, you know, you heard her say, well, can I say something else? I'm always going to let you say something else. I want you to say as much as possible. <laughs> I want as much on the record as possible. Um, then we, we kind of talking about in lieu of, which was funny to me, but, and I'll talk about that when in my closing, but, uh, so that was me cross-examining her. And so I'll read the remedy again and, and compare it to what she requested says, arbitrator, after due consideration of the evidence and findings and consultation with the parties at the national level, provides the following amended remedy for issue two. Robert Felton will not supervise at LaFleur Station for a period of two years from the date of this amended award unless otherwise agreed to by the party. So he extended it a year. Management will provide the Region 8 MBA with a copy of the PS Form 1723 for Supervisor Felton's assignment once moved from LaFleur Station whenever his official assignment changes for two years from the date of this amended award. Robert Felton will not supervise directly or indirectly in the city letter care craft for 18 months from the date of this amended award unless otherwise agreed to by the parties. And Robert Felton will receive training on workplace conflict and communication no later than February 24, 2023 with documentation the same provided to the Region 8 MBA. So I didn't really like it. It was kind of a cop-out. I mean, we'll take it. But in my closing, when you heard me talk about in lieu of, letter warning in lieu of, she kept wanting to say it was removal. You know, it was a 14-day. It's not. It's in lieu of. So in my closing, and I remember the arbitrator laughing at me 
when I said this, but I said, you know, and this is how I started it out. My closing, I said, Mr. Arbitrator, I said, growing up, you always wanted a candy apple red Ferrari. I said, that was your dream car, a, a, a candy apple red Ferrari. You've always dreamed of that car. And now you're at a position in your life, you're retired, you're doing some arbitrations, you're making a little extra change. You're able to buy that candy apple red Ferrari, uh, the car that you've thought about your whole life. I said, so you go down and you, and you find the one that you want in the dealership and you say, hey, this car right here, this is the one I want. You want to take it for a test drive? Don't need to. This is the car that I've always wanted, this candy apple red Ferrari. I've saved up money my entire lifetime so that I can get it. I'm finally in a position to get it. This is what I want. All right, well, come on in here. Let's do the paperwork on it, and you're going to be able to drive this home. So you go in, you do all the paperwork, you finance it. You know, you already have enough money to where you can pay most of it off. And you go around back, and it's like right around here. You'll have we'll have it uh, going to wash it up, fill it up for you, and uh, it'll be ready for you to take. So you go around back, and there's an 82 Land Cruiser station wagon sitting there. And so you're looking around for your car, and the guy gets out of it, and he brings you the keys. He's like, here you go. What is that? Well, that's your car. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, I wanted, I wanted a, a candy apple red Ferrari. This is not what I wanted. This is an 82 Land Cruiser station wagon. Oh, sorry, sir. But we're going to give you this in lieu of that candy apple red Ferrari. I said, Mr. Arbitrator, do you know what you have? And he's nodding his head at me. I said, you now have a 82 Land Cruiser station wagon because you've got that in lieu of, in place of, instead of the candy apple red Ferrari. Don't let them fool you in here today by telling you that this man got a 14-day suspension. He got a letter of warning in lieu of, in place of, instead of a 14-day suspension for threatening to shoot a city letter carrier. And that's how I told him. Also, when she talks about, I looked at the packet. I looked at the facts. Remember when I said, what, what facts did you look at? What packet did you look at? I looked at the notice of proposed removal and the investigative interview. The notice of proposed removal was damning to Mr. Felton, damning to him. And the investigative interview was conducted by the postal inspectors when he continued to lie to them over and over and over again. He never came clean until... They provided that audio tape of him threatening to shoot him. And then he had to admit it. Those are the only two things she looked at. When I asked her if she talked to Mr. Felton during this time frame, from the date of the proposed removal, from the date of the decision letter, did you talk to Mr. Felton? I never talked to him. I've never seen him. I know, I've never met him. How then do you know that he doesn't still want to shoot Mr. Jones? That's a question I would love to have asked her under cross, but she could have lied her way out of it. That's the extra question that you don't ask. I would have loved to have said, so you never spoke to Mr. Felton. Then how do you know he still don't want to shoot Mr. Jones if you've never spoke to him? And she could have said, well, I talked to this gentleman who has consulted with him and uh, he's assured that he's very remorseful. And then I would have fucked all my shit up. <laughs> so I wanted to ask it bad. I wanted to ask that bad, but I didn't. So in my closing, that's what I said. I said, Mr. Arbitrator, I asked her specifically, if she talked to Mr. Felton, the man who threatened to shoot 
a city letter carrier, and she said no. Let me ask you this, Mr. Arbitrator. How does she know that he still doesn't want to shoot that man? And you're going to put him right back in that station. How does she know he still want to shoot him? You never talked to any of the carriers, so you don't give a fuck what we think. You don't care anything about what we think. Your only concern is you, management. You're not concerned with the craft. That's the reason I hate them so much. That's the reason I tell you I've seen the, the depths that they'll go to to hurt us. That's what I'm talking about. Here's a district manager that put her name on the line, didn't talk to anybody, didn't look at the case file. The only thing she looked at is proposed removal, which was damning, and an investigative interview. He lied the whole time. What would make you mitigate that? What did he show you that would make you mitigate that? Because you didn't talk to him. You don't know him. Never met him. The impu said he should be fired. The formal A, who did see the facts, who did see the packet, who saw all the statements, they decided he should be removed. You, who saw nothing, who saw no documentation, no statements, didn't hear the audio, didn't speak to anybody, you decided to mitigate it based off of what? That's the reason we have to go to arbitration because they will do that to us over and over and over again. We saw it in Cleveland, the situation where I, the case I put in. They did it here, the case that I put in. When they talk about, we gave you what you wanted. It's the notice of proposed removal. We gave you what you wanted. We know what y'all are fixing to do. That's a ruse. It's a guise. It's a, it's a facade. You have no intention of doing the right thing by us. And so these are the things that I was talking about in my closing. I was blistering her on that. So there's another uh, chance to get inside the arbitration. Uh, I've got a lot more of those. If that's something that y'all are interested in, uh, I don't know if that'll help new advocates or not, but just, uh, you know, just some words of wisdom. Uh, be careful that you don't ask that extra question because it'll damn your position. I asked her just enough to get what I wanted. And then I addressed all of it in my closing, right? They never intend to do right by us. Here's a guy that walked into the case, initiated a confrontation, put his hands on us, threatened to shoot us, and he ended up with a letter of warning for a year. That tells you what they think about us in the joint statement. That tells you what they think about us. But anyway, that's the episode for this week. Hope you like that. Uh, if you do, I'll do some more of them. So hopefully it helps some of you advocates out. I don't know. But um, next week, I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to do some if it's wrong. Got a lot of discipline I need to get to. Got an arbitration coming up. Another pretty stiff removal. Very difficult removal. So I'm working on that. Um, still trying to answer emails. I'll never get caught up with them. If you've emailed me, I will get back to you. I promise you. But there, there are uh, hundreds of emails I'm trying to get to. We'll get to them though, okay? Uh, from arbitration.com, make sure you get on there. Uh, any episode that you want to know about, get on there. Any documentation that you want to request or ask me, it's on there. So get on the episodes, find the episode, and most of it will have stuff that you can download right there. Uh, next week, I'll tell you the total that we're going to send to Hawaii based off of these shirt sales. Uh, Jeremy and them are coming up with that total. I reached out and I asked, uh, national and, and business agents to match it. Hadn't heard from anybody. So we'll do it ourselves. Okay. We'll do that ourselves. Um, so we'll send that over there. We're still sending boxes of clothes over there to our brothers and sisters who have lost everything. All right. Uh, discord, get on there. Uh, very good stuff going on on discord. 
get on there and enjoy that. A uh, lot of great conversation. Reddit, a lot of great conversation on there. Some very funny stuff on Reddit. Uh, if you get on from adarbitration.com, it'll prompt you to those two things. All right. And that's how you get on there. Uh, shirt sales are still going very good. They're very good. So get on there, buy your shirt, give it to your mom or dad for Christmas, uh, and tell them that, uh, the saying on, <laughs> don't do that. Don't, don't get one with my sayings on the back, give it to your parents. But anyway, um, y'all have a fantastic rest of the week. I love y'all very much, very much. And, uh, and I'm honored to help you as much as I can. And, uh, um, you know, we'll do it ourselves. We've proven that we'll do it ourselves. I get frustrated at my leadership for not doing anything. We'll keep educating here. Um, a lot of business agents are getting on board with educating, which is crazy to say. And, um, We'll vote people out don't need them in positions that were just kind of hand, handed those positions. They didn't do anything to earn them. And we'll vote them out, right? You have no business leading us if you've not done it, and if you've not been in these trenches. So y'all have a fantastic rest of the week, and I'll talk to y'all next Sunday, all right?